Good afternoon, good morning. It's Mark Johnson from Loyalty360. Hope everyone's happy, safe, and well. Welcome back to another edition of Loyalty Live. Happy Friday to everyone. In this series, as you know, we talk to the leaders in customer channel and brand loyalty about the technology trends and best practices that they are seeing that help brands drive unique experiences, enhance engagement, but most importantly, enhance customer loyalty. Uh, in the months of June and July, we embarked on a mini series of loyalty live sessions focused on the evolving state of customer experience and how brands can and should be meeting and exceeding these changing consumer expectations to achieve a more loyal brand base, uh, increase their advocacy, and uh, you know, promote the brand going forward in the months and years ahead. Today, we uh, have one of those series just for you. We have Chris Bosco, who's a VP and general manager of digital at SMG. How are you, Chris? Very good, Mark. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the conversation. Absolutely. Uh, great talking to you. Looking forward to the discussion, uh, especially with some of the things that SMG does. Uh, you know, when you look at uh, kind of your role, uh, we always like to start these off with a little personal touch about the person we're talking to, what their experiences are, what their interests are. So we'd love to talk to you uh, and get that to know that, you know, your background, your role at the company, and maybe even a fun fact that you have. Uh, do you like jumping out of planes? Do you like scuba diving? Are you a marathon runner? Uh, you know, what, uh, what, one, what, what passion do you have? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know who you've had on before, but they all sound a heck of a lot more interesting than me, if that's what they're doing. Yeah, uh, um, some, yes. Well, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about myself. So I did join SMG last year during COVID. Um, so I'm recently on this company to help drive their digital solutions, their capabilities and their strategies. Uh, we're very excited about what we're doing. and I'm very excited about embarking on this new journey. I did 23 years at a company called Accenture, uh, was part of the digital practice there, helping commerce, content strategy, and best methodologies around digital interaction for all those years. Um, and now I'm embarking on my next 20-year journey with SMG in this space. It's, uh, it's been exciting. I've been a road warrior for all those years. And so now to be home uh, during COVID has been definitely different. Uh, not being able to look at all the time my, my flight schedules and where I'm going next and looking at all my apps. It was quite peculiar. Just took my first plane trip in a year and a half last week. Uh, so it all new experiences for me. But uh, it's really been exciting to be part of this new journey and, and new episode uh, in my chapters of life. So um, I'm excited for what's going on, but it's it's definitely different. Okay, great. Um, so uh, do you have a fun fact, a uh, passion? Are you a chef's fan? You know, I, I, I do a lot of uh, neat things now, especially I'm home, uh, spending time with family and everything else. I coach Little League and, and those kind of things. But I guess one fun fact that people are surprised at when I hear is I do as a hobby, a competition barbecue. In fact, I have one this weekend uh, where we spend a weekend cooking uh, various barbecues, ribs, pork, a brisket, and we turn them in as part of a contest to see how we do against others. Uh, so that's kind of a weird thing that I do that a lot of people don't know. Okay, great. Well, that's, that's a very interesting. Um, so when you- Not quite jumping out of a plane though. Staying yeah. on the ground, just dealing with fire. That, that, that's good. Fires, uh, uh, yes, definitely uh, safer than jumping out of a plane. I guess it depends Plug. on the fire you're in. Um, so yeah, obviously have a very unique perspective, um, a thought leader in the industry, uh, you know, when you look at customer experience, your time at Accenture, your time at SMG, how have you seen customer experience evolve in, um, you know, the, the recent years? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the greatest evolution that I've been finding the customer experience is the fact that it's always on now, um, before, right. When we all back in college, 
we learned that marketing funnel was very fixed. You took the customer through the journey and you defined what that journey was, right? You said, literally, I'm going to take you through learning. I'm going to take you through acquisition and buying and all those steps of the funnel that we all knew and could repeat wrote. But now, as we all know, the customer funnels broke. It's all over the place. It's whatever the customer wants to do, when they want to do it, how they want to do it. And you got to be prepared for that. So what I often found the difference was you can no longer walk in with that idea of, well, here's what a typical customer is going to do. Instead, the segmentations, the variations, the time of day, the product you're dealing with, all of these take into such an account that the customer experience just evolved. And what really needs to happen is you need to be aware of how the customer thinks about you. They're the ones that are driving that experience. And you've got to be prepared to work the way they want to work, not the way that you want them to work. And I think that's the biggest change in difference. And we're all part of that culture. And that's what I'd love to talk about is a lot of people forget that they're shoppers, they're browsers, they're service users. So don't just think about it, how your company is providing it, but how do you expect other companies to deal with you? It's probably the same as what your customers are expecting of you as well. That's interesting. Good point. So when you look at the importance of customer experience, especially as it evolves, people are Mm -hmm. pushing that digital transformation. Some uh, brands don't necessarily always understand uh, the importance of customer experience. So how does your organization communicate and demonstrate the impact of customer experience and, and how important it is to your customers? You know, that's something everybody always struggles with, honestly, is how to quantify or how to expect what that number means and what can it do. With ourselves, what we do is we have a lot of ROI calculations. We have a lot of research. We've done a tremendous amount of data analysis in the industries to understand what does it mean to have a positive customer experience? Because again, that's kind of a nebulous word. A customer experience can mean so many different things. So what does that mean, say, to a restaurant industry? What does that mean to a retailer? What does that mean to a financial institution as to what's exceptional customer experience and what are their customers going to be looking for that they need to do? So what you just said, Mark, is something key is to us, we look at first defining what's the market, what is a customer expecting, what are their KPIs as a company, what do they want to get out of it, and then helping to bridge that back to what the customers expect and what are they going to drive and what are they going to reward? in that process, right? And finding out how to correlate those into a proper ROI approach that can really be tracked and measured and understood on both sides. Because if you can't do that, to me, you're just firing darts into the air and hoping that things hit. Um, And and everybody knows that can be a lot of wasted energy. But in the past, that's what we had. And and with SMG, that's what we try to bring to you too, is that full understanding of it to make it concrete, action-based insights rather than just guesses and hypotheses. Okay, interesting. So when you look at the digital acceleration of something that uh, most people uh, had an interest in before the pandemic, uh, it obviously was pushed, I mean, depending on the organization, uh, if yeah. you had buying a lawn, picking a store, if you had technology issues, you know, they, they may have done a better job than others. But when you look at yep. some of the considerations brands should have when they go through this digital transformation or digital acceleration, you know, yeah. what are those considerations? You know, I, it's interesting to see that without a doubt, for example, mobile usage in interaction, uh, we obviously saw it on a tremendous rise, but the pandemic catapulted it, right? It just sent it skyrocketing that people were now stuck at home utilizing technology to access other companies. And with a lot of companies, they were caught flat-footed. 
Um, they did not know it. They did, hadn't advanced their digital strategy. They really hadn't understood that customer interaction point. And customers there in an instant were demanding it. Uh, things like grocers, right? Having to understand buy online, pick and collect uh, to ship to location. All those things that didn't just have to do with the experience on the glass, but it had to do with everything behind it too. Um, and I think that's where a lot of companies have had to really revolutionize themselves. But that's what's also got a lot of opportunity and excitement. Because after the pandemic, we're seeing a return to some things back to, let's not call it normal, but what it was before. But the truth is, a lot of those things aren't going to change. So uh, mobile usage, interaction, customers overwhelmingly are saying they still expect uh, buy in line, pick up in store type services for many industries. So a lot of that isn't just, hey, we had to do this during the pandemic. It's, hey, this is now the new norm and we got to do this afterwards. So I think that was a big challenge to a lot of people and they felt it, but now it's understanding what do I continue to do today that my customers are going to expect from me? Not try to say, well, I'm just going to get rid of that and that was pandemic only. It's really resetting what is the new customer experience and hearing from the customers what they really want. Absolutely. And uh, you talked about personalization, you talked about listening effectively. It's a big oh, challenge. Yes. Uh, and, and, and putting kind of a, a financial return on that can be even a bigger challenge. But yeah. when you look at uh, the need for more technology to automate these personalized real-time messages in the right channel uh, with transaction, you know, zero first party data, you know, how do you advise brands to do that and how to leverage the right technology? Because that could be a, a big thing. We just came out with our first industry reports like Forrester and Gartner. We have a big one coming out this fall. We have a series of reports that we do that we give to brands that help them yeah the right partner. How do you advise brands to do that, to, to leverage technology in that manner? You know, there's two parts to it. Like you said, there's the first figuring out what you need technology for. And then secondly, finding the right partner to fulfill it. Um, I usually start with the first question is, what are you trying to solve for right out of the gate? Um, and when I used to go into clients a lot and ask them these questions, they would say, hey, I need a new CRM. I need a new loyalty program. I need this new technology. I'd say, great, we can do that. However, let's step back. Why do you need it? What is the evidence that's saying that you need it? What is the data empirical information to say that there's a challenge? What is that challenge? Have you really understood it and quantified it enough to really understand that what I'm about to do and modify is going to impact the change that I need it to do, right? So how do I know that that situation is really the, the case, because a lot of us may say, well, I'll just get some new tech, or let's go back to mass data consumption, right? The time when everybody was big data, I need all my data in one place and bring it all together. And a lot of people have accomplished that. That's great. But now they're finding, what do I do with that data? How do I monetize it? How do I make it a value? How do I make it personalized? That's the key step is not just getting technology for the sake of getting it so you can check a box, but really understanding how is it going to be applied to the problem, the challenge, the experience to get that return. And then as you said, secondly, is now when you understand that, it's a better track to understand, well, what technologies are out there that solve for that? What are the best ones to fit me that meet that goal? And what I often tell a lot of my customers, don't try it from a checkbox perspective. Don't look at it as to who has what dials and bobs and bits. Instead, keep looking at it as go back to the problem you're solving and see how that links to that. And is there empirical evidence to show that this will affect that? Because if it doesn't, you're going to have a bright, shiny car with nowhere to go. Okay. Yeah, good perspective there.
When you look at uh, some of the challenges the brands have, we hear about barriers to participation, complexity inherent in the customer experience and customer loyalty programs. Yeah. What do brands do to reduce these barriers, uh, you know, to have more effective participation in these programs? And you mean effective participation in loyalty and, and those kind of programs? programs. Absolutely. So and making it more simple, potentially, uh, streamlining the objectives, maybe not so many questions uh, in regard to a survey, because I know that can be, you know, survey fatigue can be a big one, right? Oh. Someone who stayed at the hotel, 529 questions, when yeah. you probably only needed three or four or five of those data points. I, I think, Mark, you actually answered the question right there. I mean, it's, it's and this is what I love again about talking about it, because you've had surveys, you presented them, right? And what will you be willing to fill out and why? It's the ultimate question. To me, simplicity is key, personalization, contextualization, all those must be done. If I want you to respond to me, doing so selfishly with a bunch of questions to tell me how great I am isn't going to get me there. Instead, again, it's let's talk about the experience that I'm trying to measure. And let me be very specific to that and ask very specific questions. If I ask you a question about how was your shopping experience generally, I'm going to get back a general answer. And plus, oftentimes you're only going to get the extremes. You're going to get the people that are very dissatisfied or the people that are very satisfied, right? What about all those other ones, the voices that you're losing? So figuring out how to ask that question in the proper way, that's more about their experience and not your experience is what I find is key. So contextualizing it, making it key. Um, There's also a lot of data out there. We have a lot of white papers as well on, on how to incentivize the right responses, how to um, build that into a program. And really the key that I find is really, again, I think I keep talking about it over and over again, but getting the idea of the strategy up front as to what are you trying to elicit? What information are you trying to gather? Rather than just throwing it out there with a broad net saying, let me see how people just think about me and let me give a, a love index to it, right? Instead it's, yeah, but what do you think about this where I see you're having friction? What about this where I feel like you're not getting the most delightful experience? What are those elements that I can trigger off of? And let me ask you about those. To me, that raises your response rate, gives more value, and gives more insight. Absolutely. What are uh, some best practices that you you give to brands or suggest to brands who are looking to either design or develop or execute a program or enhance their program uh, around customer experiences? You know, we've got a great uh, white paper actually on that one out there as to how to help you design and, and do it. And some of the things that it talks about is some of the stuff I've mentioned, uh, personalization, understanding, again, the right segmentation, who are you presenting to and how you're presenting it to them in the right way. Timing is another massive one. Making sure you're asking the customer at the right time uh, what that feedback is that's correlative to it. Good example of that is if I want to ask you about a post-purchase decision and I'm waiting too long. You've forgotten about that decision. But to your point, if I hit you up right when you finished it, it might be too soon. Uh, I had one feedback come back that I saw that was very interesting. And the customer said, uh, we asked, how are things going? Basically, they're going fine so far. Haven't bought anything yet. I'll tell you later how it works. And then realize, again, you weren't asking the right question at the right time. So that's the kind of answer you're going to get is the half-baked. Well, (laughs) you're asking me too soon. I haven't even received the goods yet. So timing, right questions. Phrasing them. Phrasing is a big one, too, is that a lot of people don't realize you can lead uh, the answers and you got to be very insightful with the right type of way to frame a question in order to make sure you're getting an unbiased, properly solicited uh, response to the question. So a lot of those things, and we do have some great papers on there uh, on our website about 
how to do it, what are the best practices, what do we think you should be looking for in those type of programs. Okay, great. When, when you look at uh, being in the right channel at the right time, it's a, kind of a, a constant refrain we hear, you know, how should brands do that? Uh, understanding kind of channel preferences uh, is very important to impacting customer experience, uh, encourage attention, deepen loyalties. You know, how, how do you manage uh, kind of channel preference? You know, it, it, it's interesting also, Mark, you say that because also we find that channels are being flipped, right? Um, Somebody usually has a want, let's say, to be a, an in-store, brick and mortar, as we would say, shopper. And that's how they usually like to transact. But we find that over 80% of even brick and mortar transactions happen online. They start there with research, with information, look up a product, a service, see if it's in inventory, and then you finish in-store. And then there's people that are doing the opposite. They go in-store, uh, someplace they know where an object is, they touch, they feel it, and then they go online and buy it, right? Because they use that as a mechanism. So your point about channel preference is key about understanding where the customer is and the behavior and the segmentation. So the more data you can get on the customer upfront as to understand what's the difference between a Mark and a Chris and their buying potencies, where they wanna go, how are they purchasing, understanding that to again, more personalize that feedback and that channel is absolutely paramount. Because again, if I'm asking you about retail experiences, but you're an online type shopper, I may not be getting the right segmentation of answer that I'm looking for, right? So building also that loyalty base is a, a big one. Through loyalty programs, you get that intimate information about where do they purchase? How do they purchase? What do they normally purchase? Using that as a basis to really understand the customer and build out that information pool is also key. So the more first-party data that you can collect and build into your data bank is key, especially with second-party data being more difficult, uh, the cookies going away, those kind of things, really getting that first party data is going to be key. Okay. Uh, you, you touched on agility a little bit. It's very important for brands to be agile, to have the right technology, understand Absolutely. You know, that uh, cookies and the, the challenge between Facebook and Apple and, and privacy and GDPR and GDPA and, and uh, CCPA. There's so many challenges out there with regard to brands. So how should brands look to you know, maximize that quote unquote agility and how can they leverage the technology partners to do so? You know, it, it's, it's great you say though, is one thing I say is leverage on technology partners more and more is where the buy versus build mantra comes in and a lot more of the SaaS is what I always used to talk about is you build where there is something that you are truly excellent at and you want to own that is yours. But the rest is commoditized and you want to lean on others for that agility. Uh, people that are SaaS providers have to constantly, like ourselves, have to constantly reevaluate the market that you just mentioned. Understand what those changes are. Um, be steeped in everything that could affect your area and then build that into our product. And that's part of our R&D, our process that companies like us have to do. And when you purchase a company that has that in their DNA, then by default, you're gaining that. So that agility is through the partnership and understand that the company has a good roadmap, spends a lot of time and energy understanding their area for you on your behalf. So you don't have to understand all that, right? You understand the areas that are key to your differentiation in the market. And that's where you're trying to come up with the agility, but then using the technology partner for that. And then to that end as well, making sure that they're providing you the tools through their technology to be agile yourself, to apply changes real time, to be able to make modifications as the customer amends. I mean, just think of last year, none of us could predict what was happening. No, there was no forethought to that. So the companies that were out there that at least 
we're constantly looking at market trends, what's happening, and had systems that could react very quickly, won the race, right? Those that were uh, more stoic in their methodologies, not looking forward, they were laggards in that process. And some of them still haven't caught up to the modifications. So to me, your point of agility has to be looking forward, future, using your investment in technology partners to have them do that on your behalf and for you, but also making sure that they have the technology that you can interact with at speed when those needs arise so that you're not having to go back to the well of a stoic monolithic platform approach. Um, and that's how things have changed as well, along with customer experiences, those kind of technology architectures and how you operate with them. It's part of the conversation that has to be had. Absolutely. Well, Chris, uh, very impactful, very unique discussion. Uh, your perspective uh, was uh, very warranted, but also uh, I think uh, somewhat uh, unique to some things we've heard. Uh, since you guys do have technology, and you know, you have to kind of balance uh, the objectivity and and because uh, the, the, their technology may or may not always, uh, you know, be a, a complete integration, right? So there's considerations you have to have as, as a technology uh, provider, and you have to work with others as well. So I think uh, what you have seen in your career at Accenture and, and now at SMG is uh, you know, very helpful to our audience, and I thank you for uh, sharing that with everyone. Absolutely. Glad to do it. Thank you for the time and appreciate uh, the conversation. It's very, very good to have. Absolutely. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, make sure to join us back next Tuesday, July 20th for our next episode of our next live episode, should I say. Thank you very much.